Yes. Hello, everybody. Jim Hernandez here. Welcome to Raw, Real, and a lot of recovery. It's been a while. I haven't done one of these in a minute, so it's good to be back. And I have a guest I'm super excited about. I know all podcast hosts always say I'm really excited about this guest, and, and I'm really excited about all my guests, but I'm excited about this one, too. It's somebody that we just recently met. And just an instant click once we did. I'm super excited to have Sydney here. Sydney, say hello. Hey, hey, what up? <laughs> Sydney, can you uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, man, I can hear you great. Awesome. I love that. I love that. This podcast is always brought to us by Valor Fitness Clothing, which is my, my business, and Brainwash Coffee. Uh, we'll get more into that later. But Sydney, thank you so much for being here. It's so awesome. Um, okay, let's get everybody super stoked. Thank you. I'm super stoked. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. Let's, uh, you know, every, most of the people that are going to find this podcast, are going to find it through social media. And I know when I watch pod or listen to podcasts, uh, you know, I like to have a visual of who I'm talking to. So let's give everybody your, uh, your social media, your IG handle. So if they want to go take a peek, they can have a, have a visual of who they're listening to. Hey man. Yeah. It's a uh, Sid viciousness. That's C Y D. B I C I O U. What is that? Vicious S N E S S. It's a lot of letters, but Sid Viciousness. Yes. It's even a long day. <laughs> that, out at the end of the day. That's funny. Right now, it's, it's, uh, it's almost nine o'clock your time in, uh, in Arizona. Right now, it's uh, it's almost eight o'clock my time. But thank you so much for being here. I'm gonna put your IG handle in the in the post also in the body of it. But uh, Man, um, we met each other on social media really recently, and uh, it was just awesome. You know, the second we just started messaging, I just felt that connection, that click. And we talked on the phone probably a day or two days later, just because we just had so much in common right off mm -hmm. the bat. I was, I was mm -hmm. so excited. And that connection, man, that was, that was just awesome. So, um, yeah. So thank you. Thank you for, uh, for agreeing to do this. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm, uh, what was it? You had a post about um, dancing with mannequins, I think. And the girl, <laughs> the girl, like lost her arm. I'm like, damn, that girl went real hard, and then right? it just kind of like went from there. Oh man, I have two mannequins, obviously, because my clothing line. I use them for product shots, and, and <laughs> probably a year ago, maybe two years ago, when I first got them, I did this little episode on on social media. I, I call it Mannequin Chronicles, and every day I would set up a uh, a scenario. And I would put it in my IG stories. It was a huge shit. So I, I still use them once in a while. That was fun. But uh, I think we found each other from a, a good friend, Alex. I think that's how we originally mm -hmm. found each other. Right? Yeah, she. Um, so uh, I think she started following me. I think the algorithm threw me in her wake through uh, me using some sober hashtags. And she came in right away. I saw. I actually saw her shirt. I didn't know it was your shirt. And it just said, you know, sober AF on it. And I'm like, oh, this chick's sober. And look at her energy. And she's fit and active. Like, that's my kind of girl. So I started following her. And then um, the algorithm led me to you. And I thought um, your message was super cool. And just, again, your energy, the, um, you know, that level of fitness and activity and the lifestyle promoted through sobriety and stuff. And so it uh, immediately uh, attracted me to your site and your page, too. Man, that's so awesome. It's just awesome that social media brings so many people together that would never meet. Mm -hmm. It's been mm -hmm. a thousand before and it'll be sent a million times again. So, um, you know, that's awesome. 
Man, I wish we. I'm a hugger, man. I miss. I miss being <laughs> in person. I'm just giving you this big air virtual hug right now. Just. I know. I I'm a big hugger too. I think that comes a lot too. Also in uh, the sober community, it's kind of like you know, it starts off. You're not really sure. Maybe you weren't a hugger to begin with, but you got that first chip, and it came with a hug. And then after that, <laughs> you started giving a lot of hugs back. So. Man, I remember that first time I took that 24-hour chip, man. This person wanted to give me a hug, and I was just like, I didn't, I wouldn't have hugged myself because I was, I, I think I was homeless at the time. <laughs> yeah, I was like, who's this person that wants to hug me? I stink. I hadn't showered yeah. probably, like, real shower, and like I don't know how long, but, but man, but uh, yeah. Yeah, so you were a legit 24-hour chip then, yeah. I probably wasn't even 24 hours, and I probably the first chip I got. I probably drank right after I left the meeting. <laughs> hey, it happens. But you showed back up for yourself, and that's what counts. So, amen. I did a I did a live podcast actually, my first one since COVID, um, with a, a buddy Johnny who's in recovery also, just a couple days ago. Man, that was awesome. I made him give me a big hug too on his, on his <laughs> video podcast, and I was like, "We hugging, man. I've been I've been giving somebody a hug. We're done like an in person meeting in a long time, so that was awesome." But. Uh, but I want to I want to get into this, man. I hope that people look at your IG handle because I've been I've been blessed to have some incredible guests on here in multiple different ways that I call them incredible. But you know, you're a, you're a very attractive woman. You're super fit. We'll get uh-huh. into, into your, uh, your yeah. Hey, thank thank yourself. You you earned it, man. <laughs> you know, it, it's the reason why I'm interluding into that is because I've been blessed to have some uh, you know attractive guests on here that that are in recovery. And, uh, man, people that, that I, you know, I dare somebody to be like, oh, my gosh, these addicts in recovery, they, they look like this or they look like that and stereotype of man. You'll probably be the first one to punch them in the face. But <laughs> <laughs> if I don't, but, man, you definitely, you know, we're ending that stigma because we're, you know, we're, we're doing things, man. We're, we're, we're doing things. We're starting stuff. Man, but, I mean, uh, changing, changing that, uh, you know, that direction, that path and, and deciding to repurpose that you know that addictive behavior into a passion for a healthy lifestyle i mean talk about getting addicted to something good and it and just wow you know taking talk about taking years off of your you know off of you that uh that doesn't quite go that way when you stay in active addiction so that's for sure no nah, man but we definitely found the fountain of youth haven't we if there's mm-hmm. one we found it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your drug drink of choice so um, I mean, you have me going back to the beginning or just recently? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Just both actually. What, 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 we're not going to dig into your story right now, but what was your, both? What was your, so, well, what was your... well, um, uh, in the beginning, I, it was, uh, you know, I started off with my, with the gateway booze into marijuana into, um, uh, you know, and then just starting to go into hallucinogenics and then, um, you know, made my path all the way back to um, early adulthood into drinking. And then along with drinking came the socially um, acceptable drug use of pills that get prescribed by your doctor. So it's okay, right? And uh, get uh, mixing those with booze, um, pretty much creating a little self roofie for myself each night. Um, So in the end, it was just hardcore vodka mixed with uh, mixed with my antidepressants and anxiety medication and um, just got to the point where it was just completely unmanageable. So ended me up in detox. I don't know how I never got into pills. I was I was alcohol, almost like 99 percent, a little bit of ecstasy at the very end. I I started dabbling in, in cocaine. 
and that was super dangerous. But I have oh, alcohol yeah. as there. And so, yeah, I, I never, I don't know how, I never got into pills. Anyways. Yeah, um, made it made it all the way through the hallucinogenics and then got into, same thing, got into the cocaine and then, um, you know, meth and then made my way through heroin. And it was after heroin that I really needed to get my shit together. And so I was like, okay, I'll just, you know, just become drunk. So that's when I started drinking and then um, that lasted for a while. And then into later adulthood is when the pills got introduced. So. Damn, you did the whole gamut. You didn't. Oh yeah, didn't just... I, I don't. When I go in on something, I I'm, I go hard. So. You did the whole game of brutal, man. I don't mess around. So. I, don't wanna, I don't like there to be things that I haven't tried. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to talk about it, so we can laugh now. You know. Yeah, laugh. for sure. For sure. You're you're uh, you're uh, an amazing forty three years young. I'm I'm forty four, so we're like the same exact age. We're the same era. You know, we we've been around for a little bit, so. You know, yeah. we're, we're, both, we're both miracles for sure. And, you know, I like how you say that too, 43 years young. Because I'll tell you what, sober at 43, I feel better now and feel like I look better than I did when I was 23. So it's, it's, yeah, it's like I felt like when I got sober again, I was, I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I feel like I'm in my freaking 20s. Like, holy cow. So, yeah. When did you, when do you think your, your addiction fully took over? Like, when did you, did you, did you use and drink young? Uh, I did. I really did. You know, I started um, uh, about 11, like age 11. I always was that kid who hung around with other kids who were older than me. And so I started dabbling and stuff pretty early on. And um, I think by, you know, there was never, um, I was always that kid that right away was looking for that high. Like as soon as I got high on one thing, like that was awesome. So I want to get high on the next thing and um, always finding any opportunity I had to get high one way or another, get drunk. Like I took it and I mean, I would sneak out of the house to, to go, you know, to go use drink, whatever. And um, I was always constantly in trouble. So I had addictive behaviors um, out of control pretty early on um, that lasted all the way through middle school, high school, early adulthood. And it was just uh, always, always in trouble with my addiction for sure. Wow. You know, it's, so. it's, I, <clears throat> that's crazy. I was, I was, I was kind of the polar opposite in the, in the young age is I, I dabbled in that. I think I got drunk for the first time probably in eighth grade, but once in high school, I didn't really get drunk until like my sophomore junior year. And then it was never really big for me until my early twenties because I played sports. So, um, <laughs> Uh, when I drank, don't get me wrong, I got I blacked out. I drank to black out. You get alcohol in front of me, and I just I didn't fuck around. But uh, yeah. I never did drugs. I think I smoked weed a couple times in my whole life, like still. But so our our early our early stories are, are polar opposites. But um, yeah, you know we'll get into that. Uh, fitness is obviously you're you're really big into yoga. Fitness is obviously a staple in your life. Has just so okay. much to do with your success. You're tatted like crazy. It looks <laughs> great. You got that. You know, I'm, I'm guessing you're Sicilian, Italian. What's your ethnicity? I am 100% Mexican. Oh, I guess completely wrong. So <laughs> I shut up now. And we're going to end this podcast episode. My name is Jim Hernandez. Thank you for listening. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So. They, okay, wow. So, um, you know, you're t- when, how old were you when you your first tap? I prefer the word tattoo one, which is to say that. <laughs> and, I don't know, it's kind of like espresso or espresso, like tattoo. That's what I like. 
Um, so I got okay. my first tattoo when I was 15. <laughs> uh, my friend had a ta- home tattoo kit. I still wear it proud. It's the worst tattoo that I have, but but I got it. I wanted a purple flower with a green middle. I got a green flower with a purple middle. Kind of looks like a big old circle pot leaf, but whatever. It is what it is. And then um, I think I got my next one when I was 16. And then I didn't get any for a few years. And then um, and then after that, when I was 21, I got into body piercings at 18. And then when I was 21, I got my first big girl tattoo. And that was when I got my full chest piece that I have. So that was gorgeous. Kinda, I love that. One. Thank you. Yeah. Then it just kept going from there. After that, it was all big girl tattoos. Like I, every single piece I got after that, I really don't have very many small pieces. So when people ask me how many tattoos I have, I just say five. So I'm like two arms, two legs, and a torso. So <laughs> I, got, I got quite a few. Well, you just answered my next question. So boom, you're yep. ready. Boom. When you, uh, you said you were 15 when you got your first tattoo, was that was that part of when you had to like sneak out and do stuff you weren't supposed to be doing? Oh yeah, yeah. I was I I I yeah, I was a sneak out escape artist. So I was always out. Um I think um I think at that point by fifteen actually, uh it was the that year that my dad said, you know what, if you want to move out when you're sixteen, I will support that decision because my heart can't handle not knowing when you're not gonna come home. I just finally stopped coming home. So I would be gone for like a week, two weeks. I was, um, I was pretty good at that point. So I was doing, I was, that was when I got pretty good into meth was about 15. So I, uh, I just would be gone. I would just be gone. And um, yeah, at, at that point anymore, it was just, uh, it was just see you when you're going to be home. I don't know. And then by 16, I moved out on my own. Damn. You're from Arizona. You were born and raised in Arizona. Uh, yes. You've been in the desert your whole life. So you know, you're you're 100 Hispanic. We just established that. Yeah. <laughs> were you doing this with your cousins and stuff like that, or your friends? Like, who are you when you were 16, just bouncing for a week? Like, who are you going with? Well, I moved out on my own when I was 16, and I've I've always been that um, uh, that uh, functioning addict. So I realized that having an addiction required money, and so I always have. I've had a job since I was 15. Um, I had multiple jobs when I was younger, and so I actually moved in with a friend of mine who was 21, and um, I had two to three jobs at any given point, and I would I would work. I paid all my bills, and if I was hungry, I would just go to my mom's house to eat, but um, food wasn't left priority, so it was just working and partying at that point. What were your first jobs? <laughs> So my very first job was at a TCBY yogurt place. And then they found out I was too young to apparently operate the yogurt machine. They thought I was going to stick my arm in it and chop it off, I guess. So, <laughs> so I got let go for TCBY at the ripe young age of 15. And then actually, I'm really glad that I did because then after that, I got a job at a place called Dos Baristas. So it was a little coffee house here in town and country mall in Phoenix. And that kind of started my coffee house career, so to speak. So through 15 Pretty much all the way up through um, almost 18, I, I worked in coffee houses um, as part of my part-time, one of my many part-time jobs that I had was, uh, it's hard to get a full-time job when you're 16 years old. So just get a bunch of part-time ones. And, and I always was at a coffee house. So, so I, I love, I love me some espresso. And now to this day, it's definitely one of my, uh, one of my drinks of choice. I always say that I, uh, um, actually I talked, uh, I talked to, uh, I met your coffee person today online. What is it? Really? Green, 
Yeah, yeah, I met Billy. And so um, I told him, I said, hey, man, I go, I love coffee. I go, I try to drink a lot. I go, water is my other thing that I drink a lot of. I go, but I always accidentally on purpose put coffee grounds in it. So <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> and coffee houses are cool. You know, it's funny because I've, I've bartended my whole life off and on, like literally since I was turned 21. And uh, I moved to San Diego in like 2006. And my I didn't work for about six months. Um, I, I say I was transitioning and wanted to just get to know the town, but the reality is I was just wasted the whole time. And I got finally got broke and lost, spent all my money. So I had to get a job. And my job that I got, when I got, when I moved to San Diego, mind you, I was 30, uh, was I was a, a, a district manager for Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, which is like a kind of a competition yeah. for, but man, I love that. I, I ran a couple of stores in San Diego and that was one of the funnest jobs I've it's ever had. Fun. Working in coffee houses is great. I, I had a great time. They were some of the best jobs I had. Yeah. I compare it to being a bartender. If you think of it, it's, totally. a, it's, a, it's a sober bartender because you see the same exact people every same day. Same people, know their drinks. And all you do is you make the same drinks over and over and over again as a barista. You literally back there frothing that milk, you know, pulling <laughs> shots. I just shots had... I just had a great memory. So I remember one time I was, you know, slinging coffee first thing in the morning. I had a white t-shirt on and one of the other guys had lined up a bunch of drinks and I reached over to grab a syrup bottle and I accidentally dipped my boob in one of the coffee drinks. <laughs> so I had a big old like, coffee circle around my boob like the rest of the day with my white t-shirt. It was awesome. Oh my God. <laughs> That's your white t-shirt story, huh? Okay. That's my white, that's my white t-shirt story. That's, that's it. That's it. All right. We'll, we'll just go with that one. White t-shirts, but that's hilarious. No. <laughs> but yeah, no, it is. It's a sober bartender. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, when I worked there, I was never sober, but you're technically not serving alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. um, let's, let's get into, let's just get into a couple minutes of Sydney. Let's have Sydney just tell us kind of like uh, who you are, like, well, what's going on? So what I got going on at this moment in time today, like present time space, uh, I, I have the absolute blessing of uh, being a full-time yoga instructor in um, substance abuse and addiction rehabilitation programs. So it's, uh, it couldn't be, couldn't be more amazing. I teach six days a week, um, anywhere from three to six classes a day, either in sober living situations where um, they have all the programs there within the homes and they have counselors and people like me, yoga instructors, CrossFit instructors, you name it, going in and out of there um, as programs for these people. Or I go into facilities where these people are on lockdown and they can't go anywhere. They don't, uh, everything is brought into them. Um, some places have centers where they um, bring them in and out on druggy buggies. And uh, we, uh, that's what we, that's what we call them. I don't know if you've heard that or not, but <laughs> the, little, the, little, the little white, the little white vans, like you always know you're in the right place because you see the druggy buggies outside. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, um, so yeah, it's, that's what I'm doing full time. I also teach at a studio, um, part time, a hot yoga studio called the Sweatshop here in town. But the, um, the company that I get to teach yoga for is called Spiritually Fit Recovery. And it's a, um, that is the for-profit side of it. Also on the nonprofit side of it, we have community-based donation yoga classes for all the people that we meet in our addiction treatment programs. So 
they want to continue to find yoga outside of their treatment programs and uh, they wanted to still use it as a tool in their addiction recovery. We have those donation-based classes because uh, yoga isn't always readily available to people. So, um, so we have the class available for them um, as well as be able to help them find it if they're not here in town. Um, we help them with uh, finding either yoga, in, finding and providing yoga for people outside of, outside of treatment too. So I think that's pretty much um, everything that I do almost on the daily. Because even if I'm not teaching yoga, I'm taking it. So I, I constantly make sure that I get to my mat every single day for myself as well as for others. And just in general, stay really active um, to uh, keep my keep my old attic brain um, busy and from getting bored and finding finding bad things to do. So I keep a lot of good things going on in my life. Make sure that doesn't happen. That's awesome. You know, I'm, I'm in the I'm in the process of, of of working on a nonprofit aspect of my business. It's really similar to what you do. So I mean, I can't wait to after this to continue to get to know you and just really yeah. mind with that and uh, just hopefully work together on that aspect. But you know, it's, it's nuts. Yoga is one of those things that ever for my entire adult life, I always said I wanted to get involved and start practicing yoga. And I, for whatever reason, never put put the never put put the pavement. <laughs> actually, did it. But I've always wanted to. Like, so you still haven't of, done it? I've never done a full oh yoga gosh. class. Oh, my never. gosh. I so need to get you over here and get you into one of our Saturday community classes. They're so cool. Because, I mean, I'll talk about just, like, feeling comfortable right away, especially because a lot of these people haven't done yoga outside of the treatment center that we met them in. Or maybe they're just giving it a shot because maybe their sponsor said, hey, you should check out this class or something. You know, you get there, you get to the class, and then um, you're in a room full of people and every it's not like a yoga studio sometimes you walk in and everybody's quiet nobody's talking like no this is like walking into a meeting hall before the meeting starts like everybody's talking it's loud there's music and then the class starts and um you know we greet everybody and then we identify just like a meeting so everybody's in there you know hi i'm sydney i'm a grateful recovering addict and alcoholic and then you know it, we go throughout the room and then people share milestones and their recovery and so that's like what makes it different from a regular yoga class. It's like you really get to recognize your sober community there. And then we get into the yoga from there. So, and it's at all levels, you know, you have people who practice just on that class, you know, once a week. And we have some people who practice a lot that still come to support the, uh, you know, the, the addiction community too, because they, you know, maybe it did something for them or um, I, we people who come there from Al-Anon, CODA, I mean, you name it, like, it's just, it's a really cool community. So that would be a great place for you to try it first. And just feel like, okay, I'm with my peeps. No one's going to, you know, think any differently of me if I can't, you know, straighten out my legs. <laughs> yeah, you better be careful what you ask for because you're going to get this. I'm going to show up there. I have, I I have so many. That would be so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many reasons to go to that Phoenix area already. With I have a couple of really good friends in recovery out there. And then I have a really good friend, Jen, who's working on the nonprofit aspect. And she's really close to you. So, man, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm like, I'm pumped to do that. And, yeah. uh, you know, right now with, with COVID ending, man, we need connection. We need like in, in person, that in-person connection, that camaraderie. So I'm telling you, you're going to see me within the next couple months. I will be. My, yeah, my, no, that would be awesome. We've had the class going back up again for the past couple of months. And, you know, in the studio that hosts us, the sweatshop has been awesome. You know, they, they have all little tape marks on the, on the floor so that everybody knows, you know, to set their mats, you know, apart from each other during this time, you know, masks on until you get to your mat and then you can take your mask off or put it back on if you're gonna walk around the studio you know they have everything in place the temperature checks and everybody gets their own little cubby so nobody's 
you know, sticking all their stuff in and out of the same place. It's just, it's like set up really well so that people even during this time can still come together and feel safe, you know? I'm going to be that person who's going to get in trouble. They're going to ask me to leave. They're going to keep telling me to put my mask. <laughs> Stop hugging everybody, Jim. Go to your corner. Like, you, you no. know, like you kid. You we still, we still do the hugs. We still do the hugs. There's always like, can I, can I, can I hug you? Yes, come in. Come right? in for it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. So I'm going to get it. We're about to get into the section where I like to call my be real section where I'm going to fire mm. some questions off. Actually. Yeah. But um, you're 43. I know you have a son. Like, have you, were you married? Have you ever been married? Like, huh. uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I actually was, um, recently divorced. I'd been divorced for three years, but I was, um, together with, and, um, a combination of dating and together married a total of almost 17 years. So almost half my life. So, um, yeah. So, um, what's that? Same person. Yeah. Yeah. Same person. So met, um, met, met an early age. He was 19. I was 23 and, um, and, you know, we were, we were together almost half our lives. So we do, we have a 15 year old son together and um, we've just been divorced three years now. Wow. May I ask if he was, did he have an addiction problem? No, that was all me. I, I wow. handled that for both of us. It's <laughs> <laughs> a whole nother podcast episode, you know, wow. <laughs> but, but no, it's actually funny. I was married to somebody who was, um, who's a total normie, you know, no, no, never even never did drugs his entire life and, um, hardly ever drank. And when he did drink, he was, I think he was allergic to it cause he got a really bad headache. So he just really pretty much didn't ever drink. So he was really allergic to it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he had, like he even had rashes and broke out. Like, no, like, like, like migraines, like awful, awful migraines. Like even if he just had a few uh, beers. So yeah. Uh, so he just, he really doesn't, doesn't drink to this day. He just really doesn't drink that much. Uh, I probably should have asked this earlier. I never did. Cause I'm kind of an idiot sometimes, but uh, how much sober time or clean time do you have? Uh, so just on Sunday, I have two and a half years. Yes. That is yes. so awesome. We're, 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 uh, we're fairly close. I just hit two years. So we're, we're very close to one another. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah. I love that. I love that. I should, I should ask that earlier. Like, isn't that one of the first things <laughs> I should ask? I'm the worst. What's your sobriety date? So yeah. <laughs> but we're going to get into This is my fun section, man. The people that are listening right now, they've been wanting me to shut up, stop talking and get to this because this is where I put my, my, my guests on the spot a little bit. I asked some fun questions. You kind of gave me a little bit of free reign. You know, so that's that's cool. My buddy Billy that we were talking about, Brainwash Coffee, uh, he sponsors this segment. He's going to get you some coffee. That's why he reached out to you to, to send you some. He sends all my guests some coffee. Oh, that's freaking awesome. Yeah, man. I'm still he, um, that. 50% of the proceeds that, that from Brainwash Coffee goes back into recovery. He goes to uh, rehab facilities, sober livings, et cetera, to sponsor people so that can't cool. afford treatment. So he puts his money where his mouth is. To my listeners, if you go on his uh, on the website and you punch in VFC20, you're going to get 20% off your coffee purchase. That's VFC20 for Valor Fitness Clothing because that's my brand, Valor Fitness Clothing. But um, here we go. Are you ready for this? All right. I know. I said you're like anything off limits. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start nice and smooth and gentle. Right. And okay. I had to ask you. I had to ask you. Uh, uh, you know, I had to make sure we we're the same age because – I have to kind of like gear my questions towards, you know, the, the age of the person and what they're familiar with, you know, <laughs> we, we're both the same age. So I can, I can kind of, how old were you in your first cell phone? Let's start with this one. I think that I was 
19. I was 19 and it was a Nokia. <laughs> the Nokia Black. And before that, I had a You know, I was, I think, 22 when I got my first cell phone. So you had a picture. Did you ever page anybody 187? 187? No. What? Fucking cop? No. die. Like when you're pissed off and all butter, you text your ex girlfriend or, or whatever. 187. You never sent with that 187 text about what? No. No, I never sent that 187 text. I guess I wasn't as bitter as you. Man, I was bitter. I was angry, motherfucker. Like angry. All right. Uh, temp, temp camping or RV park, uh, camping? What was that? Tent camping or RV camping? Oh, tent. I actually don't even like tents. I like doing hammock camping. Really? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a- All right. Blue's Clues or Pee Wee's Playhouse? Pee Wee's. <laughs> your, child, your, your childhood celebrity crush? Oh, uh, John Travolta, man, from Greece. The Greece days. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I liked him in those tight black pants. <laughs> okay. Your most the most used item in your house. Probably the coffee pot. <laughs> the you coffee sure? pot. Okay. Billy's gonna love that one. If you could just for the rest of your life, if you had to eliminate one of these two things, which would it be? Yoga or sex? Oh <gasps> fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You can't do one of those for the only one you 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 have to eliminate one. Which one are you eliminating? That is so so hard, but I'm I'm gonna have to say sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, because only because I know that I can I, I will have sex for a while with my partner, but eventually, you know, you're gonna get old enough, you're not gonna want but I feel like I'm gonna do be doing yoga until the day that I die. No, I'm like, saying like right now, mean. not after like you've been dating somebody right this second, but you already said sex. Okay, no more sex for you. Boom. <laughs> Do you remember your top 10 on your MySpace account? Top 10 friends? <laughs> remember on MySpace you had the top 10? Remember that? Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. No, I don't remember who my top 10 were. Oh my God. I don't even remember having a top 10. I'm dating us right now. Name all four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Leonardo, Raphael, I think that's it. No, is it Michelangelo? Yep. <laughs> Leonardo, Raphael, Michelangelo, and I don't think I'm going to remember the last one. Starts with a D. Donatello, fired. We can't Donatello, damn, damn. All right. Ice cream or brownies? Ice cream. Have you ever been with a woman? Several times. <laughs> <laughs> when you were a kid, how often did you get in trouble for making long distance phone calls? Oh, you know, not that often. I just got in trouble for being on the phone, period, because I was always grounded. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> These people might not remember, man, like when landlines, because we had landlines as a kid. And if I, you dialed my own phone. city, if you had if you dialed outside your immediate city, it was long distance and it was expensive as fuck. I would yeah. get that phone bill would come back when anything was mail. Everything was mail. That yeah. mail phone bill came. I was nervous. I didn't want to come home from school. 
Your favorite meal meal as a kid, back when life was so much simpler and the little things made you so happy? Tomato soup with minute rice. Really? I know, weird. Wow. I I remember it made me happy. Mine was cinnamon toast that you make in the broiler. Do you, do, you, do you remember what a broiler is? That bottom part of the oven that you pull out? I would get the bread, I would butter it up, and then I'd make <laughs> the sugar together. And I would sprinkle it on top of the buttered bread, and I'd put it in the broiler, and it would toast it to this crunchy, crisp top. <laughs> And did you know? Did you know that now that drawer that's not a broiler, it's actually not for extra pots. It's supposed to keep your food warm. Did you know it's a warmer? I just found yeah. that out like last year. I didn't know that. Yeah, warmer brother. That's funny. Well, no, no, but now it's just a warmer. Like it doesn't have the broiler in there anymore. It's just oh, really? To keep food warm, not hold your pots and pans. Yeah. Anyway. Oh. No, I did not know that. <laughs> that was it. That's all I got. Those were easy. That's it. Oh. Okay. Yeah. That was like I messed up on that sex one though. That's kind of I'm kind of sad now. <laughs> <laughs> so we know, you know, we're getting older. Our sex drive is, is going down a little bit. You know, I started ordering uh, new. Things. I wouldn't go. I'm not saying that. No, I'm just. I thought you. I thought this was like a long term, like life question here, like life, like end of life question. <laughs> right now, you already picked sex. You're a virgin from 43 on. It's already done. <laughs> Email segment's over. Family Brainwash Coffee, VFC 20. We'll get you that discount, 20% off your coffee. Okay. All right. <laughs> so we're going to reset real here right right now. We're going to kind of get back into this. Um, I want to I ask you a question. I want to talk about, um, you know, we're both in recovery. You know, we're both miracles of recovery, A, but we had a lot of help getting where we are. You know, nobody is this alone. We recover together and we recover out loud, which is a really awesome thing right now. But, you know, I had, you know, I, when I got sober, I was, I was homeless. And I had some people reach out and, and do things for me that I didn't, I would never even done for myself. Like, I didn't care for myself whatsoever. And people cared for me. And it blew my mind. And I had people help me that had absolutely zero to gain from it. And it just, absolutely, at the time, I didn't know why. And it just, you know, I, I'm forever, ever grateful. And I can look into my early stages of recovery. And I, I still contact. I'm still... Um, in touch with my counselors at the rehab treatment center that I got sober at. I go back there and I, and I donate clothes and speak with the guys in there very often. I was there just on my, on my two year um, birthday. I said, thank you to the counselor that I met in there six years ago um, that really cared about me when I didn't care about myself. And I was like, Hey, I hit two years today. You know, my, my recovery journey started in 2016, but I relapsed a bunch of times. So I hit two years, but I've, you know, I've been in and I've been dabbling with the recovery game for a little over, over actually now it's like five years. But so well, I know for, you were telling me the other day like that, you know, that you were scared to hit your two years because you hadn't done that before because you had made it that far or something like that. I remember you were telling me that, too. No, I was I was I was, I was nervous coming up to my to my two years. I was super nervous coming up to my one year because I had never made it to one year before. Obviously, now is the furthest I've ever get. So every day I woke up, I'm now the furthest I've ever been. But I got okay, close me to too. You're right. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> the longest since I've been sober my whole life, like, yeah. since I was 11. So yeah. But uh, so I I've been close to one year before, and then I relapsed. And I remember I remember the first time I was at like 11 months, and I was nervous. I knew I thought I was done drinking, but I wasn't. Obviously, I relapsed for for like two years off and on. But uh, man, I psyched myself out, and it was so. Uh, coming up to two years, I was a little nervous also. I was a little nervous, like, damn, am I going to fuck this up? Because, you know, 
most of our lives, we fucked everything up, everything good, mm-hmm. good things come, we just fucked it up. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm starting to get more confidence and, and, and uh, offset that now. And it's just an amazing thing. But, you know, my question to you is, uh, did you have a person when, in your early recovery when you were when you were just getting sober, a person that influenced you and believed in you when maybe you didn't even believe in yourself, you know? Did, you know, did you have somebody like that in the early stages? Uh, yeah. So you're talking about like after I got sober, right? Like not while I was like in the gutter. Yeah. Once you started this process, once you started to day one, to day two, to day three, to day four, somebody that was there for you that really helped you out, helped you get to that next 24 hours, you know, and that believed in you. You know, I think it's, I think it's super powerful when, when, you know, we have faith in somebody else and maybe yeah. they don't have faith in those. Cause I knew I didn't have faith in myself, yeah. but people had faith in me, you know, I don't like the word motivated and that's a whole different story, but it, it motivated me and, and it made me think like, damn, this person wants me to do good. Like why? And so maybe I should, you know, it made yeah. me kind of want it. Was there somebody like that for you? Oh yeah, for sure. It's kind of funny. You said day two, cause literally day two, I met this person. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> I was, I didn't, the first time I tried to get sober, Recently, I found myself within three months, uh, four months uh, relapsing and um, falling back into my addiction. So within a year, I found myself back in in detox once again. And I remember being in a group session that morning, two days in, and they said, okay, so what are you going to do different this time? What's what's going to be the difference for you? that you're not going to relapse this time. And, you know, I was like, well, um, I think I would like to get yoga back in this part of my life. I, I remember doing it years ago and um, off and on I, I've done it. And every time I did it, it, it really made me happy. I just remember being really happy and feeling really good physically and mentally about myself. And they said, oh, well, that's cool. You know, we actually have a guy coming in here today and he's going to lead yoga for you guys. I'm like, no way. So I was really excited. That was in the morning group. I was really excited uh, for this guy to bring in yoga um, into, into the detox center that I was at. And I was only, like I said, two days in. And um, this guy comes in and he's got long, curly, like bushy hair. And he's like, hey, guys. Hey, guys, how's it going? Yeah, so we're going to do some yoga. You know, sit down. And he just like this total like hippie vibe kind of dude. And I was just, I couldn't have been more excited. And um, so he led the yoga class. It was awesome. And um, he came in the beginning of the week. And so they're like, yeah, you know, he's going to come back again right before he leaves. And so I was so excited. Um, I even that day, like he had us do like a forward fold. And I remember from before being able to get into a headstand. And so I gave it a shot. I did it two days sober, got into a headstand. And he said that was like the first time ever in detox, he had seen somebody get into a headstand. So this guy comes back again at the end of the week, he gives me his card. And um, this turns out to be Jacob Daphner, who is the owner and um, uh, main member of Spiritually Fit Recovery. So um I met him two days into my detox. I got his card. I followed his class for the, this is the Saturday class that I'm now part of the crew and on the board of directors for this nonprofit and teach. Um, I followed his, I went to, I go to this studio where he's going to have his class, a sweatshop. I show up there 
and he he isn't there. He, they said he's off for the next two weeks. So I was like, okay, I could have let that discourage me, but I didn't. I, I ended up getting like a two-week class pass. I took unlimited classes, and then he ends up showing up um, two weeks later. I'm like, hey, thinking he's going to recognize me, and of course he doesn't, you know, at first because it's like 100 people that he's met in detox, and then all of a sudden he puts puts it together like this light goes on his eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh, hi. Yeah, headstand, <laughs> like he remembered. And uh, so um, like, yeah, man, I've been coming to the studio. I've been waiting for you to come back. Super stoked. So um, I kept coming to his class. And then like three months later into my sobriety, he ends up um, saying that they're going to do one of the local news stations wants to do a um, special and he, they want to interview some of the students. Would I be open to this? And mind you, like I hadn't really told anybody yet that I had you know, gone through. Everybody just thought I went on like a week long vacation or something when I went to detox and work. So nobody knew that I was going through this sobriety thing. And, and, uh, he asked me if I wanted to be on the news and I'm like, uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I, I said, yes. And I remember telling my boss that I said, yes, and I was going to be on the news. He's like, well, great. Now everybody's going to know that, you know, that, you know, that you're a drunk or you're, well, I don't remember what he said. And I just said, good. I, I hope they do because then at least they can maybe see that, you know, the struggle is real and people, you know, can come out of this. And that was the first time like I ever had that, that moment of, of sobering or, you know, recovering out loud, but it was so, I said, yes, because he said, you know, of all these students that he had and only knowing me three months, like he always, you know, was really encouraging and uplifting to me. And that's just, you know, that's how he is. He just, really makes people, you know, see the best in themselves. And so I really started to want to help out with him more and more. And so I wasn't even six months sober and Jacob encouraged me to, um, to get my teacher training and so that I could become a yoga teacher too and help. So from like day two, like this guy was super encouraging to me and believing me and pushing me. And then in less than six months, uh, you know, had me, signed up so that I could start becoming a yoga teacher myself. And here we are two and a half years later, full circle. I, you know, I work for him. I'm like his, um, uh, for, you know, he's got a few teachers that, that teach for him, but I'm his next in line as far as like the amount of classes that I have. Like I teach the most for him full time. And, um, and then when he put me on the board of the nonprofit too, as one of the members of one of the board of directors on there too. I mean, he's just, I never, my mom always said like, I don't know, why but god put this man in your path and um and he has just always believed in you and looked after you and, and even my mom has thanked him like thank you like i don't think my mom my daughter would be where she is in her sobriety if it wasn't for you in her life so he's now one of my best friends and like my biggest mentors in sobriety so he's got like uh eight years sober so that is so amazing. awesome yeah amazing to, you know we can like literally what we're capable of like just by showing some some faith in somebody and some positivity and and having faith in them and just really patting them on the back and being somebody's cheerleader, you can really affect somebody's life in such a powerful, amazing way. That is that's awesome, and I'm sure you are now paying it forward tenfold every day that I can. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, teaching in in addiction recovery, you know what I do. It's like even you know, not everybody wants to see me. Not everybody's happy when the yoga teacher shows up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but I always say, you know, if one person, just one person gets something out of the class, you know, then that's the person that I was there for today. So what was your, what was your, what was your, uh, your rock bottom? Do you think, what was it that made you go into detox out that one day? I, so every time that first year 
of my divorce, I consider myself emotionally and spiritually dead. I don't even really feel like I started living my new life until after that first year. I, it just kept, you know, when I go into my divorce, I had in my mind when I decided that my marriage was done, I, I thought that my, our son would stay with me because he'd been with me this whole time. My, my ex-husband is uh, military and he was always gone um, predominantly. So it was just my son and I. So when I decided to end the relationship and our son decided he wanted to go live with dad, like I was devastated. And so that's when I relapsed and I, um, cause I found myself for the first time living completely alone. I had, you know, the husband was gone, the kid was gone, the dog was gone, the cat was gone. And here I was in this apartment by myself for the first time since I was in my early twenties, I hadn't been by myself. And so I relapsed, I'm taking my pills, my dosages get increased by my, my doctor, because I, I'm not telling him that I'm drinking. And so he's just increasing my medication doses and I'm just drinking more. And every single day I come home, I'm not working out like I used to, um, or I am working out. And as soon as I get home, I drink my protein shake and then chase it with some vodka. And then I'm, I realized that the, the vodka had to start happening in the morning. It wasn't just at night anymore. I had to top it off and I had to just start to end the shakes. And then I was taking Ubers to work because I was too nervous to drive. And my, my anxiety and my panic attacks were, uh, it was taking me like an hour and a half to drive 12 miles because I'd keep pulling over because I was panicking so much because my detox was so bad every single day. And uh, every the single anxiety, time my son. Anxiety be part of that? Oh, my anxiety was awful, awful. Which really, and this is how I know it was completely exasperated by my drinking was that once I got sober, I, through help of my doctor and monitoring, uh, you know, my levels, I was able to wean myself 100% off of all medication. I, and after about four months sober, three months sober, I started to wean off and I take zero depression and anxiety medication now. So it was all exasperated by the drinking and everything that I was going through. And while that's not the case for everybody, and I would not suggest, you know, I definitely wouldn't suggest getting off medication without talking to your doctor and working with your doctor with it. Um, but it's, uh, it was something that worked for me and it was something I really wanted to try. It was just like, I want to be sober, like one hundo. I don't want to, I don't want to be on this stuff. I feel like I don't want to be dependent on anything anymore except for myself and what I'm capable of doing. And I think I could push myself through this. So yeah, it was just when it got to that point that every single Monday I'm in the bathroom puking all day long and I can't even eat because I drank so much Friday through Sunday. It was, it was just to that point where like, I wasn't messing up per se. I was still getting my job done. But when I wasn't starting to show up on Mondays or in having to work from home, maybe because I cried all weekend long because I was so depressed and my face looked like somebody punched me 30 times in the eyes. I mean, it was just, it was just like that was that was rock bottom. And that was when I called my mom up on, I think I called my mom on, on, on Monday. And I was just like, mom, I'm like, I can't, I can't, I, I know I need help. Because the first time I went into detox, I literally got dragged and dropped. I didn't, I didn't, I had no desire to go. And so, uh, but this time I called, uh, my mom gave me a speech. She's like, here, you know, here's some numbers, call, figure it out where you want to go. And, uh, and so I did. And then, uh, and there off I went and yeah. And then two days later I met Jacob and here I am. <laughs> I'm doing kind of backwards. You know, we're getting into your story at the very end. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of backwards. I always do things a little different, but, uh, you know, lots of times people just get into their story right away. But uh, I switched that up a little bit. Well, did uh, did uh, addiction or anything ever end you up in jail? Uh, yeah, I've had two DUIs. 
So okay. I did, I did end up, um, yeah, within, within seven years, I had two D DUIs, one in my early twenties and one in my late twenties. Um, but fortunately I never, uh, never got in trouble. You know, I managed to be a functioning addict and always, um, you know, made my money through my jobs to pay for my addiction. So I, I, you know, didn't, didn't steal, um, from anybody. I'm very, you know, thankful I never stole from my family in order to do that. But, wow. you know, I stole, I did steal, you know, there's, a, there's the other ways of stealing, you know, like I stole a lot of their time, you know, in the way that, that they, I made them worry about me and stuff like that. And, but, um, but now just, just through my, through my DUIs that I ended up in jail. So got to do some good old stint at tent city here with Joe Arpaio. That was awesome in the summertime <laughs> here in Arizona. Really? Yeah. When you were in jail, were you a, were you a fucking troublemaker like me? I, I got, I think I would get in more trouble in jail than I would outside of jail. I would always, when I was in that cell or whatever, I'd always get. Did you ever? Do you ever? Do you have a good jail story? <laughs> well, I was bunk mates with this girl named Baby Fat. <laughs> and she, she, Baby uh, fat. she showed me how to how uh, how you can thread like thread uh, pluck hair out of your body and make tampons out of pads. <laughs> what you learned or not, but that's what I got. Definitely didn't learn that one. Fat. Yeah, Big Fat. Yeah, Big Fat how to make tampons. I love it. I love it. We all have a good and I learned how to pass <laughs> notes through the learned how to pass notes through the gates, you know, and like we have, you know, the other guy side with the guys, so apparently yeah. I caught the eye of somebody and you started passing Ooh, you notes. Know? A little jail of romance. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah. I anyway, to up or like you know, spit some game. You know, get that get that jailhouse game. <laughs> oh, yeah, let me tell you. Let me tell you when you uh, when you see somebody from across the yard as opposed to like meeting them outside in the real world, they have a lot less teeth. <laughs> man, I'm losing teeth now too. Part of that aging fucking thing. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a, a, a question. You get more, I kind of want to get more of a serious note, but um, uh, you, you got you have two and a half years of sobriety right now. One thing I, I reflect often, and uh, for you, what's one thing that you've gotten back in sobriety that you thought you had permanently lost during active addiction? Like one thing in active addiction that you just thought was gone forever, but you know, when the miracles of recovery happen and they happen in your higher power, just like blessing you on blessings on blessings on blessings what's the one thing you thought was gone forever that you got back it's funny that you say that because it's actually my spirituality and my ability to pray i stopped praying in my active addiction because i felt that i wasn't worthy enough to even talk to my god like i thought that he didn't want to hear my prayers like i had just let him down so badly that i had no right no right to pray so i had no right to be spiritual like i like i said i just felt like i was spiritually dead inside and I did not care if I lived or died I did not care if I made it to the next day like I wished I would die I just wish I could drink enough or take enough pills without having to necessarily do it on purpose you know really yeah you know like let it just sort of happen so um so when I woke back up that was like the first thing that I started doing it was like day two I'm not kidding day two was like big deal for me it was like after everything had finally started to get out of my body and all the monitored, uh, like they had to put me on Ativan because I was about, I was going to go into seizure. Like I was shaking so bad when I checked in, I couldn't even like sign my papers. And it was, uh, so they had to, and my, my blood pressure was through the roof. Like they thought I was going to have a heart attack. So it, uh, to wake up 
day two and that light came on like I just I I was like in tears to like I was so happy to to not feel fucked up to actually be sober like sober mind clear-headed clear lights I could see I was like I was that girl that probably pissed everybody off because I was so happy I was so happy to be sober and I'm still that day. I'm still that girl that walks in the room. And if you don't like me, it's because you don't like life. <laughs> it's like, I'm just like this sunshine that like walks in the room. Cause I'm so happy <laughs> to be alive and be sober and like appreciate each and every day now to like the fullest. And um, I can't sit still anymore. I can't sit still. I can't watch TV. I can't like, I can't rest. Like I just got to go, 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 go. And I feel like I'm just like making up for all that lost time. that you I, had a day, I was dead. Girl, your day two was like, oof. Yo, my day two was like, in, it was nuts. Day two was nuts for me. And I'll never forget day two ever. That's your next tattoo. Just day no two. Kidding, I was it. just thinking that. I was totally just thinking that. So you know how, you know, established, like people put established, like the date they were born, like 1976. No, day two. Day two. Day two. Yeah, day two. Seriously. Uh, and that's, uh, that's kind of funny um, because, uh, yeah, yeah, because day two, then that would have been um, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, so I was thinking it would be 22, but never mind. I thought it was 22, but that would be the 20th. So, uh, What's the most embarrassing thing you ever did, drunk or high? Most embarrassing what? What's the most embarrassing thing you ever did, drunk and high? When you look back, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, most embarrassing thing. Um. <laughs> so funny. So, <laughs> um, I think, I think there was, uh, and and this was before social media, so there was there was like no pictures no of proof. it. But I, no proof. <laughs> Why do I want to say that there's no proof? <laughs> didn't have it, didn't have that's it. like that's like the proof. That's like the proof right there. Um, brutal, brutal honesty. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even know that that's really embarrassing. I can't. I, so I don't, I don't get embarrassed super easily. I honestly can't think of, okay, so that one's not even embarrassing. I'm not even going to go there. I think the most embarrassing thing, and this was just like, this was more like not even, do you want like funny embarrassing or do you want like ashamed embarrassing? Just, just go shame embarrassing. Yeah, you just so like shame. cringe and you have to, so you have like, to forgive yourself. Absolutely. Like this is just, this is like, absolutely. like I just, I was so, I went to, um, I went to meet a, a girl that I knew, like she was just an acquaintance and I, um, it was like a middle of the week and I was like, Hey, let's just go to meet up at the bar. I rode my bike there and I had already pre-gamed it pretty hard. And, um, I get there and I remember like right before blackout city started, before I started to check in there, like, I remember like the world just starting to close in on this girl's face. And I remember this girl's face, like, looking at me like what is wrong with this person you know like like how is this person get so drunk when she just met me here but I had already been drinking so like totally like I remember her looking at me like I was just out of control because I was and um so then uh I don't even know how but somehow like all of a sudden now I'm walking around this neighborhood I have no idea where I am and I'm holding this bike up I'm walking this bike and I I mean, I wasn't, but like five miles from my house, if that, I don't know. And I'm just, I'm completely lost. And then like the total shame of having to call my ex-husband to let him know that I was lost. 
no idea where I was. And he's like telling me to look up at signs. And like, I had to admit, you know, that I lost control again. I lost control and I had no idea where I was. And then, you know, for him to like, come pick me up, find me in this neighborhood, throw me in the truck and then like carry me out of the truck into the house and throw me on the bed, you know, just, uh, I just felt so awful and ashamed. And I remember like coming back in and out of it and just like having to hear him saying like, you know, telling our son, like, don't go in there, you know, mom's not feeling good and stuff. And just like, remember, like feeling like a total piece of shit. Like that was just like super, super ashamed. Like, you know, and, and I think like, thank, thank God, like now, you know, my, my son is older and, and I'm totally open about this because I don't want him to ever have to go and make the same sort of mistakes. So like, I'm completely, I recover out loud in front of my kid too. Like he knows. And I remember the first Christmas that I um, spent in, um, in 2018 with him was uh, uh, we do this thing at my, at my family's house where we, they have a candy cane wrapped up. Well, it looks like a present. It's this big candy cane that you hold. And before we're allowed to open any presents, everybody has to pass a candy cane around and they have to um, say something that they're thankful for that year. And uh, my son, um, you know, just a couple of years ago. So what was he like 13, 14, 15? So he's probably like, you know, 12 or 13 at the time. And uh, he, got handed this candy cane and he said with tears in his eyes I'm thankful that my mom is sober I mean yeah that makes me cry right there (laughs) I knew there was going to be tears somewhere in there (laughs) but yeah like that's just I'm a crier too I'm a crier too tears in his eyes like oh my gosh like how can you not want to continue to just like push yourself forward and like be a better and bigger person for like that little person that little human right now who no matter what, like never gave up on you and still loves you with all of his heart and believes in you. And is just like so happy that you're present there for him, you know? So yeah. Shame and shame and gratitude. Uh, that's powerful. So. <laughs> wow. It's, it's, it's crazy yeah. how that happens together. Yeah. My goodness. Awesome. That's awesome. We're, we're getting up to an hour right now. Yeah. I can't believe it's gone that fast. We did things a little different, a little backwards, but this time is definitely flown. That's amazing. I love it. Um, and just, I, I, a lot of my addiction, uh, you know, I, I talk about this often. A lot of my addiction stems from childhood trauma. You know, I had a, a lot of abuse um, uh, in my childhood. Is there one moment, like, you can, whether it be your childhood or maybe, like, later in, like, your late teens or 20s, like, is there one thing that you think, when you look back, that you think triggered or had a lot to do with your addiction? Is there one specific moment maybe that, that you think was responsible oh, for absolutely. a lot of absolutely. <laughs> I, um, I, I mean – I just know that um, I definitely experienced childhood trauma, um, you know, without getting like super into detail Linux. I know we don't have a lot of time, but just, I was, um, I was sexually abused as a child. And so coming, I came out of that and admitted to that happening to the family and like called it out when I was 11. And I think, you know, you know, from that point of that ending, as soon as that ended was like right when I started getting into, um, drug and alcohol addiction. So I cannot imagine that that's a coincidence right there, you know? Wow. You know, the fact that you just, you just said, you know, at 11, you told people about it. Like I had stuff happen to me when I was like five, six, seven years old. And, you know, when we're young, we just trust adults. We trust adults. We think we're doing, you know, they trust them. And I don't think I realized it was wrong until I was probably like yeah. 13, maybe 13, yeah, 14, I mean, you know, around I, that. I knew that's it, when I just but I kept up. going with it. Um, you know, it happened. It began when my memory 
from the time my memory begins until I called it out when I was 11, it was still going on. So I, I called it out to stop it from going on. And just the, the horrible response from my family that was like completely non-supportive, just like threw me in a whirlwind, I think from there, um, you know, just like the whole, you know, don't embarrass the family. Don't, don't talk about it. And, you know, it didn't actually happen, but it did like pretty seriously. So, uh, so I think that's when everything just kind of, you know, like going around looking for, you know, that validation and looking for, you know, that acceptance and finding it in a crowd of people who also want to be accepted and, you know, that are all just getting high together, you know, because we are all just a bunch of, you know, people who didn't feel whatever, get our love or needs met. And so we're just going to find it through drugs and alcohol. And that's, you know, happened very quickly from that point. I feel like I lost, I lost my whole childhood. I didn't, I didn't get one. So. Yeah. Wow. And you're, uh, you're a hundred percent Hispanic. Uh, so would you, would your family, I'm, I'm half Hispanic. My dad's side of the family was born in Mexico city and they, you know, a lot of my aunts and uncles and, and grandma don't even speak English. And so that part of my family was a lot, you know, it was, it was a typical like, Hey, how are things going? Good, 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 good. Totally. You just didn't talk yeah. about stuff. You just did not talk about oh, stuff. Yeah. Was your family like that? Oh, like, yeah. cause you're a hundred percent like that. Yeah. We were just like, Oh, 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 oh no, you know, we're just gonna pretend like that didn't happen and just keep going and, and, you know, still, allow this person to be a really close part of the family and you just have to act normal and pretend like that didn't happen to you yeah so this person was right there right in your face Pretty for much the rest of your until life i finally was like you know i'm done and i'm moving out and that's when i you know it was a big part of me leaving too at 16 was just because i couldn't be around and be forced to be part of this family anymore that uh you know my dad it was like on my dad's side of the family that i just i couldn't be part of anymore to have to be forced and i was like you know what i have to do anything <laughs> so i i chose to i chose to leave so and to this day like wow. I, uh, I just, wow. completely, just so um, let that side of my family um like you know like uh, un, un, unhinged myself from that side of the family and, and was never part of it again after that wow did you uh in in either your active addiction or in sobriety have you gone to counseling have you gone to mental health therapy oh and, yeah and talked about that oh, is yeah. that something yeah. you just gonna... i've been through a lot yeah, yeah i've been through Powerful. a lot of counseling and, and it started um you know it started at an early age that i started going through counseling too so yeah when i started like when i did my step work for my sponsor she goes you've done a lot of counseling haven't you i'm like oh yeah i'm like i got this in the back <laughs> like i'm like i've answered all these questions a million times so yeah and i've i did a lot of counseling to go through that so through that counseling, um, you know, I granted I failed on the side of becoming a drug addict and an alcoholic. Um, I never let it. Uh, I never let it keep me down. I actually just posted uh, this morning, um, kind of to that effect about it. Uh, my post is just like you know, never allowing the um, the scars to you know to to cause me shame. But all these scars and all these things that happened to me, I've always use them to rise up and be stronger and, and learn from them and never let myself be the victim. And as a youth, that attitude was um, a lot more um, angry, you know, like I'm not going to be the victim. I'm going to be stronger than that. And F you, and I got this, you know, so I was definitely a lot more of an angry youth because of it. Um, but then uh, getting into adulthood, you know, I turned it around, um, you know, to be more positive. And just be like, you know what, I, this sucks, I'm going through this, you know, or whatever, but I, I'm never going to, 
I'm always going to still have a positive attitude and the positive disposition, you know, because of it and, and not let it um, ever, you know, be, I never want anybody to feel sorry for me, you know? So I just, I always used it to, to be positive, try to, try to find, try to find growth and learning from it. Man, that just, just bringing up so much. I was so fucking angry and I was just so angry. You're like, Oh, I'm not going to let that affect you. You know, that, that unchanneled, undisciplined, and you know, and you learned that we hadn't learned how to deal with this stuff yet. Nobody had showed us how you deal with these kind of things. We didn't know it. We didn't, you went to counseling and you know, sometimes when you go through so much counseling at such a young age, you almost, you know, just know the things they want to hear. (laughs) So you can, yeah, I mean, I went through the counseling, I'm not saying, you you know, like automatically, like I was this kid who had it figured out, but if anything, I think the counseling did give me that perspective of not being a victim for sure. Like I did take that away that it's, it wasn't your fault. You know, it doesn't mean I didn't feel bad about it, but I, I knew it wasn't my fault. Like I didn't choose it to happen. It, it just did. And I have to, but I always realized I could choose how I allowed it to affect me um, as a person and, and the type of person that I, you know, chose to be. I kind of did. You always really not, yeah. I really did realize I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be that person who I, I, I've always had this extroverted personality. And so I wasn't going to allow it to hold me back and not let me enjoy life just because that happened. So, you know, granted that extroverted personality turned into a partier, you know, early on. And so it was always about party, but I still like, I, I enjoyed being happy. I did not enjoy being sad. I never have been that woe with me person. Oh, I went through this and that really sucks and feel bad for me. Like, no, fuck that. I went through that. That sucks. So let's just, you know, move on from that and just keep moving forward because there's better things ahead. That doesn't define me. That's just something that I went through. So that's, uh, that's fascinating to me because I think, you know, my addiction had a lot to do with me, not me just bearing it, me using alcohol to get, get that stuff off my mind, you know, and and I never dealt with that. I didn't want to counsel young. I didn't even know what happened. I didn't even admit it happened to any, I never admitted it until my, my early twenties. And then I was wasted. I admitted it into <laughs> an email to a friend. <laughs> this is crazy. And then the next day I know the cops are at my door because the friend did worried I was going to commit suicide. Anyway, that's a whole different story, but I drank to get that out of my mind. But so for you, it was opposite. You drank and you used, but at the same time you were in yeah, your mind no, thinking, I'm not going to let this affect me. You don't think I, I felt, like I said, you know, I was seeking, I was seeking approval of people for sure still, because I, I didn't get any of that from my family, you know, like the family wasn't, wasn't doing that for me. And so I ended up, I think I've always sought it, you know, um, like sought that community and that group and that, and, and, and I always, yeah, I always loved having that community. Well, it just happened to be the party community that I found that, uh, that connection with that I didn't have with my family early on. Now I'm really close to, um, to my mom and her side of the family, you know, but I didn't have that, uh, have that early on, but I also, I didn't want it. You know, I was angry. I didn't want it. I didn't want that to be my family. I wanted to find a new family. (laughs) I wanted to, you know, get away from everybody who I felt like wasn't listening to me and wasn't believing me and, uh, and wanting to take my side of things. So I found, I found people who did and, you know, that came with consequences. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we just completed this, this, this whole podcast backwards. We got yeah. into the, the meat and potatoes at the very end. 
Uh, I want to end with I want to end with one question and uh, one last question. Uh, we're at like an hour and seven minutes, and so whenever anybody sees a podcast and see over <laughs> an hour, they're, they're so less likely to watch it. But you know, uh, who cares? Um, sober first. I know sober first are a huge thing for many people. They can be terrifying. They can be things that people look forward to. I'm sure you've gone oh, through yeah. a shit ton of sober firsts, whether it was some having sex, the first time going to a baseball game, the first time maybe going to the beach or playing softball, whatever. What's a sober first that you haven't had yet that you're super nervous to do? I'm not super nervous to do anything sober. <laughs> so, I, I'm really not. So um, they, I've done, I pretty much, I think I've had all my sober firsts. Um, I think I was, you know, I was nervous at first to see how I was going to be going to a concert or something like that because I love music, um, but I was fine. So I, I honestly, I am very blessed to feel super confident in my sobriety. This round has left me with zero desire to use, to drink, to anything. And so I can honestly say that I'm not nervous to do anything um, sober. So I, I have fully embraced um, my sobriety this time. And just, you know, God willing, as my mom always says, God favor de Dios, you know, God willing, it's, it continues to stay the way that it is. <laughs> you know, bilingual honors. Look at you. So out of all the things you did higher drunk that you only have memories of wasted or high memories. that you haven't done yet so there's not one thing being wasted. Not, I blacked out. I blacked girl, out through you know, everything, man. So like being able to actually remember everything is freaking awesome. So I am anything and everything you want to throw at me, no matter how nerve wracking it is. Um, like coming up next month, I'm going to have to teach to about 75 people on the rooftop of a Scottsdale resort. That's insane. I'm so nervous for that. But I got this. But you didn't always used to do that drunk, though, did you? No, I'm saying you, no. you didn't used to always do that. You're just an overachiever. Yeah, you're out of my life. When I was I'm drunk, I, talking to you. I'm not I just went you. home. I stayed home. I stayed away from people. And I didn't do anything. So I'm not nervous to sit at home and watch TV. <laughs> That's what I did when I was drunk. I remember my first time going to a baseball game sober. I was terrified. First time going to a no, basketball really game, I was out. like, the "What?" First time playing. I went with sober people, and they had chips in their pockets with their sobriety dates, and they put confidence in me that I was like, "You know what? I'm solid. I'm good." And so, within yeah, my first show was ninety two. Awesome. The second one was clutch sober, and I was so stoked because I got to remember the whole show. So yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I think I think um, you know I I I feel truly blessed. I, I know what you mean. You're not we're not fair to do. We we've gained so much confidence so far, or I have, and we just keep getting more and more confident. So because you know we're 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 succeeding in sobriety, and it's it's it's, it's contagious. And so you know I I feel bad when I admit this during a pandemic that I never had an mm-hmm. urge during this pandemic to drink. Yeah, you know, I have I've, yeah. so many of my friends have relapsed, and relapse is no joke. I've lost you know to ODs and death, multiple friends during this pandemic, but I never had an urge to drink during this pandemic. But the one thing that I'm still nervous about for a sober first for me, and I don't know why, because I know I'm going to have so much fun and enjoy it, but it's camping. Because camping, I was just blackout from the day we pulled in, from the drive there to wherever we're going, we're drinking the car. And then you just drink the whole damn time. So that's something I still haven't done. That's something I still haven't done. Uh, But But yeah, I... 
we never really, I mean, and I guess that I never really got like, that's not true. We did get some, but it was just like one night, but there was always so much activities going on. Just didn't have that opportunity to get super, super hammered on camping. I don't know why. Weird. Got super hammered on everything else, but for some reason camping. I love <laughs> camping, but yeah. Oh man, I was drunk the whole damn time. So many fights with my girlfriends and my friends like, I can't believe you did that. Like, you're not gonna <laughs> let me drive the boat? Like, what the fuck? No. But, <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna wrap this up, Sydney. Thank you so much. As soon as we're done, I'm gonna call you back because uh, uh we're gonna, you know, I'm sending you some valor clothing soon and I'm we're gonna get a, so you doing some pictures out there. I got so some awesome cool. outfits for you. People that are listening to this, you guys better be paying attention within the next month. We're gonna have some amazing pictures and some brand new stuff that I haven't even released yet that uh, Sydney's going to be rocking. So I'm going to call you back. And we're going to talk about that. But I just want to say thank, oh, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Giving me this opportunity for another moment to be able to recover out loud and, you know, share things that people, you know, need to hear just to let them know, like, it's okay. It's okay. And, you know, you can, you can do this too. And, you know, if you're struggling that you probably have someone next to you near you, shoot, find me on Instagram, reach out to me. Like I, I am so there for people in the community when they need me, I'll go to meetings I'll show up for you. I don't care if you're across the country. Like I will, you know, do my best to just be there if you need me and, you know, as, as part of the sober community. So somebody did it for me and I'm totally willing to do it for other people. Well, I'm having some big events. Uh, once COVID restrictions uh, go away, I'm having some big events in California. They're going to be recovery based events. It's going to be fun. A 10 K run. I'm going to do a roller skating event and I'm going to have other things going oh, on. Yeah. And hey, I expect you're asking me. So Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna make you do what you just said, but thank you so much. Uh, I'm gonna say bye to the listeners right now. Everybody listening, thank you so much. We did this episode backwards, uh, so I apologize about that. But if you're listening right now, so much, so much gratitude for you. You know, life and recovery is amazing. We're capable of absolutely incredible things in the sober life. And uh, this woman right here is a just prime example. I hope you check out her page, and I hope you follow what you know her and I have for you uh, for this world in the near future. We're just blessed. And when you can take sobriety and you can not only be sober, but then you can reach out and, and, and in such a positive way, help other people and take your sobriety to that next level. It's just such an amazing feeling. That's what this life's all about. It's about helping others. It's about spreading confidence and, and just, you know, giving what was so freely given to us. So I just want to say thank you guys so much for listening. Sydney, thank you so much. And, uh,